Joining Dollar Shave Club will be one of the easiest decisions that you'll need to make, and it'll make your life so much easier. Since I joined, I don't have to go to the store anymore to buy razors, and I don't need to choose between price and quality to get an amazing shave, because Dollar Shave Club is the best. DollarShaveClub.com delivers high-quality razors right to my home for less than what I used to pay. There's no reason to deal with the hassle of going to the store to buy expensive razors when you join the club. Just go to dollarshaveclub.com and pick a razor that works for you from their lineup of amazing blades. I personally use their executive razor and I get an amazing shave and never have to set foot in a store to buy razors ever again. Over 3 million members like me love Dollar Shave Club. They love the quality, the value and convenience. So right now, you can get your first month of the club for as little as $5. After that, it's just a few bucks a month. There's no reason not to join. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash felon. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash felon. This episode of Felon may contain disturbing content, including descriptions of violence and coarse language. Listener discretion is advised. ago, Mark Latham alleged that the domestic violence figures are actually on the decline, and he was chastised for it in social media. And I checked the Australian Institute of Criminology, and he was actually right. Um, the figures actually peaked around 2007. So is this a case of the squeaky wheel gets the grease? Uh, you know, in my uh, hometown of Canberra in the Australian Capital Territory, there is an organisation called the Domestic Violence Crisis Service. It's burnt through its annual budget halfway through this year. You talk to uh, extraordinary men like Ken Lay down in Victoria, and he'll tell you something completely different. It's not about the statistics, it's about the lives that are being uh, taken and damaged here. And what do you want to do? You want to compare a particular figure from a year to a year. We are, as a society, becoming more aware of that, the, the, I think, the greatest social challenge that we face, and that is domestic violence in this country. And nothing should be said to take our attention from it. Now, I'm, I'm meeting with uh, Michael Costigan fairly soon. Tara Costigan was killed in the most brutal fashion uh, in the ACT. You can't look at the Costigan family and quote a statistic, oh, it's in decline and it's a squeaky wheel. Get real, Australia. We run the risk at times of being a nation of bystanders, comforted by a few statistics. Let me tell you, there are people dying and people whose lives are absolutely ruined as a result of domestic violence. And what's more, we are all, as a society, the victim. That's bullshit. Oh, <gasps> 
please explain to me how it happened? What injuries does she have? Okay, can you describe it in more detail, please? She called and she just said, you need to get here, Tara needs you. So I jumped in the car, um, raced over there, and I was actually following the ambulance there, and I knew, I knew it was going to Tara's place. I got to the house. We, um, we, were, we were sort of um, a bit anxious, but she assured us that everything was okay. We just did not in any way, shape or form think that this could happen. You know, we just we just didn't think it could happen so brutally and uh, yes it was a shock on average at least one woman a week is killed by a partner or former partner in Australia this is the tragic story of Tara Costigan Tara was born in 1986 at the age of seven her father took his own life. Tara's mother had a number of children to different fathers and soon found it hard to cope. Tara's grandmother, Margaret Markham Costigan, and her father's sister, Maria Jane Costigan, took Tara under their wing and they became mother figures for her. Her grandmother and aunt and her extended family soon became Tara's support network and she found stability that she had missed when she was younger. At the age of 16, Tara would become a mother herself and she gave birth to her first son, Riley. Two years later, she gave birth to a second son, Drew. Despite becoming a mother at such a young age, it was noted by her family that Tara was loving and dedicated towards her children. Margaret Costigan has stated that her focus was her children. Her children were not going to be brought up the way she was. Her children were going to have all the opportunities. The relationship between Tara and the father of her sons deteriorated and they went their separate ways. In mid-2013, Tara Costigan met a man by the name of Marcus Rappel. Tara's family soon welcomed Marcus into the home, even though they were initially cautious. He was oddly quiet, but didn't scare me quiet, so he was polite. He seemed okay, but there was just something about him that just didn't gel with me. Approximately a year after they met, Tara became pregnant to Marcus. Both Tara and Marcus welcomed this news and saw it as a positive step in their relationship. To help with the demands of motherhood and pregnancy, Tara's sister, Ricky Schmidt, moved in with Marcus and Tara. In her time in Tara and Marcus's home, she would soon see why her family were justified in their reservations about Marcus. It was just off and on fights. One fight, he was cracking his knuckles and he said the along the lines of, if you don't stop talking, that'll be the last thing you do. Tara's grandmother, Margaret, also became worried about Marcus's behaviour. I could see was was leading towards a type of verbal domestic violence. She wasn't messaging me, she wasn't ringing me, she wasn't coming to see me. Um, it would only be a matter of time that Marcus's behaviour became more and more threatening towards Tara. Tara soon confided in family and friends that Marcus's behaviour escalated to the point that he was becoming extremely aggressive and violent. At the start of February 2015, Tara asked Marcus to leave their home. Marcus moved out and rented an apartment. During this time, 
he remained in contact with Tara and her family, and during this communication, he maintained a threatening tone. On the 20th of February, 2015, Tara called her aunt, Maria Costigan, and asked her to drive to the police station to take out a domestic violence order against Marcus. At 9.30am, they attended the front counter of the Tugranong police station, and they obtained a pamphlet, but this process was interrupted when Tara went into labour, and therefore, she was not able to proceed with the application for the DVO. On the evening of Friday the 20th of February, 2015, Tara Costigan gave birth to a baby girl. During her time in hospital, Marcus visited twice. On the first time, on the 21st of February, 2015, it is alleged that he became angry and ended up leaving after 10 minutes. On Sunday the 22nd of February, 2015, Tara was discharged from hospital and returned home with her daughter. On Monday the 23rd of February, Marcus Rappel attended her home, and even though their relationship was strained, with her permission, he was allowed to bathe his daughter. A midwife, who was present at the time, testified that the meeting went well. The following day, Tuesday the 24th of February, Tara agreed to meet with Marcus at a cafe in Arendelle. This meeting did not go so well, and the two of them argued with the meeting ending abruptly. Tara sent Marcus a follow-up text that stated, Stop harassing my family. I'm getting a DVO. That doesn't mean you can't see your daughter. You can see her in a controlled environment. On Friday the 27th of February 2015, Tara attended the ACT Magistrates Court and obtained an interim domestic violence order. The application for the final order was adjourned to 27th of March 2015. The interim order restrained Marcus from threatening to cause injury to Tara or her children, prohibited him from being on the premises at Duggan Street, Corwell, where Tara lived, and from being within 100 metres of Tara or her children. It also prevented him from contacting Tara or her children, except for the purpose of facilitating contact with his daughter. She wanted to keep her kids safe and herself. She only did it because she thought it was right. At this point, Marcus Rappel had rekindled a relationship with an ex-girlfriend, with whom he had also fathered a daughter. While living with his ex, the topic of collecting his belongings from Tara's place came up, to which it was suggested that Marcus should check with authorities. Marcus's ex, who is referred to as KH in court documents, went with Marcus to the local police station to seek advice. It was while at this police station that Marcus Rappel was served the interim DVO by Constable Greg Solomon. As he read the order, he questioned Constable Solomon, how do I go about getting my stuff back? Constable Solomon looked at the interim order and told him that he would need to go to the magistrate's court and make an application to amend the order to allow him to attend on one occasion with police to collect his belongings. Marcus complained about this process and stated to police that Tara had only taken out the domestic violence order because he was with another woman. Again, Constable Solomon reiterated that he could not go to Tara's home without getting the order amended, to which he responded, the system's a joke, before storming out of the police station. As they drove along the stretch of road between Queanbeyan and Canberra, Marcus threw the DVO out the window. At 2.30pm on Saturday the 28th of February 2015, KH dropped Marcus at his car. She had gathered from a conversation with him that he had planned to do something in reaction to reading the DVO. 
as Marcus got in the car to drive away. KH pleaded, Marcus, please don't do anything stupid, to which he replied, I'm going to get my stuff. KH pleaded again, don't text her, don't go there, just leave it, to which Marcus replied, there's no point, I've already got a black mark against my name. She's using the system to keep my daughter away from me and keeping my stuff from me. Marcus then drove off, spinning the wheels of his car. At approximately 4.30pm that same day, Ricky Schmidt, Tara's sister, would make a frantic call to emergency services. Can you please explain to me how it happened? What injuries does she have? Can you describe it in more detail, please? Moments prior, Marcus Rappel had driven into the driveway of Tara's residence. He took an axe and used it to smash in the front door. Startled by the noise, Tara, Ricky, and Bryce Bullman, Ricky's boyfriend, all ran into the lounge room to see what the noise was. It was then they saw Marcus smashing through the door and gaining access to the home. Tara was holding their baby daughter in her arms. She saw Marcus armed with an axe. Both Ricky and Tara fled to an open laundry door. As Tara reached the door, Ricky turned and attempted to pull her through. Marcus was chasing them both, and he swung the axe twice. The first struck Tara on the left shoulder, which caused a deep cut through the shoulder muscle, fracturing the shoulder blade shoulder joint and the second struck her in the back of the neck completely severing the spine and cutting the vertebral artery with this blow tara who was still holding her baby daughter fell forward lifeless as this brutal scene played out tara's two sons riley and drew were in the lounge room watching it all unfold following this attack bryce ricky's boyfriend knocked the axe out of Marcus's hands. Marcus then punched Bryce in the face. Marcus then walked into the lounge room where Riley and Drew had been watching television and smashed the TV. He then walked outside, knelt down in the driveway behind his car and started screaming. Ricky pulled Tara's daughter out from under her and passed her to Tara's 11-year-old son. Ricky then ushered the children out the back door where they were received by neighbours who attempted to calm them down. At this point, Ricky had called emergency services and they had instructed her to commence CPR on Tara. As Ricky rolled her sister over to attempt the chest compressions, her neck injury was so severe that it caused her to bleed profusely and she died during this process. Marcus Rappel returned to the front door and asked, Is she dead? To which Bryce responded, Yes, now fuck off. With this news, Marcus returned to the driveway as emergency services arrived at the scene. Camera phone footage captured the moment the police approached Marcus, who was on his knees in the driveway, sobbing and screaming, she's dead, she's dead. As police approached, Marcus took off his singlet, threw it on the ground next to him, and began rocking back and forth. Constable Simon asked for his name, and he responded, Marcus. He then continued, She's in there. She's dead. All I wanted was to get my stuff, and she has an AVO on me, and my stuff. 
I killed her with an axe. Marcus was taken into custody, and then a short time later, an ambulance arrived, and Tara was declared dead at the scene. The last person to talk to Marcus before the attack was the woman referred to as KH. When questioned, she was able to provide an insight into Marcus's state of mind in the time prior to the attack. Following their visit to the police station, during which Marcus was served the DVO, the pair had argued because details contained in the DVO alluded to the fact that Marcus was trying to reconcile his relationship with Tara. This prompted KH to end her relationship with Marcus, following which Marcus began to rant. It's over for me now. You'll never see me again. Fuck her. He then continued, saying goodbye to his daughter. I'll never see you again. And then finally to KH. Do me a favor. Always look after your children. KH pleaded with him to stop. Marcus, please don't do anything stupid. Marcus replied, it's over for me. I've lost my family. I've lost my daughters. And you won't see me again. I should kill that bitch for what she did. KH replied, Don't text her. Don't go there. Just leave it. Marcus then drove away in a rage. After leaving KH behind, Marcus Rappel drove to the Bunnings hardware store in Tugranong. And at 3.34pm, he purchased a Fiskars 600mm Universal Axe. He then drove to Duggan Street, Corwell. CCTV footage that was obtained from the front of a home in Duggan Street shows Marcus's car passing by at 3.39pm, 3.40pm, 3.41pm, 3.53pm, 4.04pm, 4.05pm, 4.06pm, 4.07pm, 4.08pm and 4.09pm. At 4.14pm, Tara's brother, Derek Philby, left Tara's house. Again, Marcus drove past at 4.20pm and then returned at 4.25pm and turned into the driveway of Tara's home. It is believed that Marcus continued to do laps of the block until Derek Philby, whose car Marcus would be familiar with, left the premises. Following the trail of destruction left in his wake, Marcus was taken to the ACT watch house and at 8.55pm he underwent a recorded interview. During this interview with police, he stated, When a woman falsifies information to obtain an AVO to keep you from your child, she is playing a very fucking dangerous game, especially when the guy's not right in the head. I think you guys hand AVOs out a little bit too fucking easy. I'm sure more people have been killed because of AVOs. For the murder of Tara, for inflicting grievous bodily harm on Ricky, for contravening a protection order, and for the assault occasioning actual bodily harm against Bryce, Marcus Rappel was sentenced to 32 years and two months with a non-parole period of 26 years. Tara Costigan, a mother of three, was killed in an axe attack just a week after giving birth to her daughter. Her former partner, Marcus Rappel, pleaded guilty to the murder. I hope what comes out of this is a renewed uh, commitment from, from everyone, including yourselves, the media and everyone, to be really upfront and honest and, and determined not to just accept and deal with it, but to look towards ways in which this can be changed. 
but there is hope rising from tragedy. Her family has set up a foundation to fund social workers for domestic violence victims and convened a national family violence summit earlier this year. What we need is awareness, we need education and we need lobbying. You know, so the, the, the Tara Costigan Foundation will be very much about that. Tara's two sons are now living with their father. Her daughter, Ayla, is with Tara's aunt. Ricky Schmidt lives every day with the memory of the death of her sister, which she hopes will ultimately not have been in vain. And what do you think Tara would want her legacy to be? To stop domestic violence. She wouldn't want this for anybody. She wouldn't want it for her daughter or her kids. I just hope that uh, the fathers are thinking of their, their wives and their kids and, and understanding just how lucky they are to have, have them. Sorry. Our focus for the next 18 years, at least, will be making sure those three kids have all the help, all the opportunities and everything that they would have had with Tara around. So, and if we dwell and, and sook and cry about it, then she would be sitting up there saying, no, no, <laughs> not, not the way to do it. She was energetic, she was always smiling. She was a bounce around the room kind of girl. So yeah, if we, we were dwelling on it, I think she'd be standing behind us, poking us saying, come on, put some music on, we'll go for a dance or something stupid. Tara Costigan remembered as someone who loved and was loved by her family. She always gave us big cuddles when we were sad and lots of the time just because she loved us. Our families have lost an amazing daughter, a granddaughter, a sister, a niece, a cousin, an aunt, a friend. A community mourns for this loss for our beautiful girl. But there were plenty of recollections of the happiness Tara brought to those around her. And I don't want to add to the sadness of this today either, because that's not what we're about. Celebrating a life, a life well lived. And as someone who loved her footy. So today I'll honour her love for the Balmain Tigers. And her music. Even as classy as Tara Marie was, I think she thought she was a cross between Miley Cyrus and one of the Destiny Child's girls. She could dance, to say the least. I know her sisters and friends, in particular Sam, spent many a night out on the dance floor. While the service heard so much that was positive about a young woman who meant so much to so many, there's also an enormous sense of sadness here at the loss of a life which ended too soon. My beautiful granddaughter was so very excited about the coming birth of her baby girl, as were we. Tara had one week to love and care for her daughter. Not enough. Tara Costigan was 28. She is survived by her two sons and a baby daughter. Thanks for listening. If you or anyone you know has been or is a victim of domestic violence, there are a number of hotlines you can call. The link to these will be available in the episode notes.